Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 31, recorded July 27th, 2019. And tonight we are going to be continuing our topic on Books of Sorrow, and we are going to be covering verse 3. Tonight I'll be your host, this is Hyven. I am Elemist. And this is Mrs. Hyven. We welcome all, as normal. We're here for another amazing, action-packed, high-quality episode, like we always produce. Professionalism. Actually, that's our motto. If you haven't, I'm just kidding. That would be interesting. Somebody should have told me. Guardians of Lore. Yeah, go to go to the Twitter, and it'll just say Guardians of War. <laughs> Guardians of Lore, where professionalism is our goal. And we Since... never meet our goal. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> news. We haven't met our goal this week. Uh, well, we do encourage feedback on our goals and what goals we should have. And you can send criticism, praise, uh, mediocrity, whatever you see fit, to Twitter at guardians underscore lore. Or you can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Also, review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, slash Google Play, and any podcast of choice, that plain service that you might use. Uh, those ratings help us out because other people will find us and we'll get more criticism, more, uh, what's the word, constructive criticism and advice as to make things better and It'd just be kind of cool to have more people listen as we uh, can grow our little community here. Um, and then Elemist has podcast news. Yeah, uh, I wanted to apologize for being so distracted last week. I had a pretty girl messaging me, and I could not say no to that. He's not apologizing. He's using the platform to flirt. Right? What? <laughs> that was not in the script. <laughs> this was not a real a little bit of both a little bit of both <laughs> look i know that i talk a lot but i swear last week i was trying to fill dead space it was uncomfortable for me too <laughs> uh, i was like i'm gonna ask questions for conversation nope these are gonna have to be rhetorical from the rest of the episode and it just went downhill from there i thought it was a we did a fine job and i didn't mind elemist being slightly distracted he was just as involved as Mrs. Hyphen was, and she just has her phone. She's just got, what, you, Facebook, you Instagram? can't handle was... my undivided attention. Yes, and we determined you can't handle your undivided attention. And that was when she realized she was ADD. I did, guys. I actually realized that today. <laughs> a friend of mine sent me something the other day that said a lot of women get misdiagnosed with anxiety disorders when they actually have ADD or ADHD. And I... Growing up, so my mom... Was not diagnosed with it, but wait a second. Sure we need to it. start an, another. Hold on. My brother has this it. Five in story corner. Yeah, right. And my <laughs> sister's pretty sure she has it. And I was just like, nah. I obviously don't. Like, what are t- those odds? Clearly, mean I don't, right? And then I realized today when I forgot my notebook that I write stuff down in to keep myself focused during long periods of sitting down, and started massaging Ivan's hand. And playing with his fingers that I might actually be ADD or ADHD. <laughs> and it was a real revelation. That being said, she's still not going to focus any better. I can no. promise you that. 
And then when Hyven got up, I just grabbed his mom's hand and started massaging it. But he warned her, so it's okay. <laughs> I like how today was the revelation, not the past 25 episodes. Yeah, she doesn't, believe in me. she doesn't believe in me that I tell her these things. I never believe Hyven when he tells me something. It's only once somebody else sends me information or tells me something. I believe other people. And then I'm That's like, babe, why... they told me X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh, my God, you're so right. And he was like, That's why I've been saying this for how long? Our time with Elemist is so important because then you realize the things I've been telling you. True. <laughs> she listens to you. All right. Well, Back stuff. Professionalism that we yeah, try. as I promised, professionalism. First and foremost. I'm going to start adding that as a bullet right at the top. Professionalism. Stuff you've missed in Destiny. That was the Iron Banana. This week was our second Iron Banner of the season since Correct. they added the new fun bounty. Um, I oh, don't believe. Line. Yeah, so if you. Uh, I actually have not finished it. I have not. I only did a little bit of Iron Banner this week. Um, I really need to. I plan on doing it. I need to at least turn in the like 400 tokens I saved from last one. But yeah, if you did not finish Iron Banner Bounty last time, it continues now. And if you don't finish it this time, next Iron Banner, next month, we'll have one more in the season, and it will get easier. They're reducing um, some of the requirements. So the grenade kills are halved. I do believe, and each individual's grenade kills counts the same as your own, like your fire team. And then they also, I think, lowered by 25% the like sword kills. So, yes. Uh, quick note: there are actually going to be two iron banners in this season uh, after this one. Oh, and okay. I, I thought we only had one more, so that's good. Yeah, it was a comment on Reddit that I think DMG made. Sweet. So there you go. About Iron Banners, plural. Mm-hmm. And, like, he specifically called out plural. So <laughs> Well, good. So then everyone will have plenty of time to finish that bounty um, and get all your good Iron Banner stuff so that you can scrap that armor pretty soon after. But the good news is, as we had hoped, next week starts uh, Solstice of Heroes. And it is pretty exciting because if you unlock... The majestic, the set of the armor, the uh, legendary armor. Not only will you get to use it and have some fun with that beautiful looking armor, but it is confirmed to be the first armor 2.0 set. Uh, so if you finish it, uh, get the full majestic set when the new DLC drops in uh, September, you will be able to pick up a new set of it as armor 2.0. And that is the new armor that you basically can customize yourself. You get the looks, but you can customize the perks and the mods and all kinds of cool stuff. So that's going to be really exciting. And then also, the glow effect, unlike some of our other seasonal ornaments, will last forever. So, pretty cool. Um, It's the same style glow as it was the first uh, Solstice of Heroes. Uh, It glows brighter, depending on if you're matching subclass. But, pretty exciting. You have anything else about uh, Solstice of Heroes that you want to mention? Uh, no, I'm just looking forward to it. Me too. It's definitely going to be a nice grind to get back into for me next week. I've been kind of calm, not really been playing a ton for... You know, I did Tribute Hall, but I hadn't been playing a ton of the things that I needed to do in the game because I was like, I know I'm going to finish so much crap when I have to do 
Souls of Heroes because it's always you have to do everything. Like you're doing Crucible, you're doing Gambit, you're doing Strikes. Yeah. The new the new activity. So uh, you know if you haven't finished your Moments of Triumph, perfect opportunity to get that finished. Um, also, we have an uh, update coming, and this is, I know it's, when, when is this? It's before the deals, the, uh, is it next week? I think it's next week. With Sources of Hero, we are getting some update, and um, I don't remember if, didn't they say that, I think Lord of Wolves was being fixed? Lord of Wolves is after? getting fixed. Where is um, that one? Yeah, there's a couple things that they're going to, we're getting a, a, a basic, a, a slight sandbox tuning. Um, not to say that they might not put another update out uh, when the DLC actually drops, when we get Shadowkeep, but we can look forward to some, hopefully some changes for the Lord of Wolves. Uh, they're going to be nerfing ammo in Crucible when you have scavenger perks along with uh, range and specifically when you have the exotic perk activated. So that's some cool stuff coming. The best part is they're giving us out some emblems <clears throat> and... Of course, if you can, they, they already had announced this, but if you competed in Iron Banner in one of these past two Iron Banners, if you completed one Iron Banner match, you will get a Lord of Wolves emblem to state that you were there during the reign of the Lord of Wolves. But more importantly, you played back in, get this, I didn't know it was so long ago. Apparently it was 2017 when this happened. I did not know it was so long ago. But if you played laser tag and crucible you'll know what i'm talking about man prometheus lens reigned supreme for what like a week it was a and, weekend and instead of fixing it they decided just to let everyone have fun Zer sold it purposely so that everyone could have it and we had a weekend of just insane laser tag prometheus lens was insane and i have to say knowing that they were going to change it it actually made it fun it wasn't like bashing your head against the wall but we are getting a really cool-looking emblem uh, to celebrate that. And basically, you, have ha- you would have had to have played a Crucible match during that time period in 2017. I think I played one match, and then I was like, oh, this just sucks. We had some fun for a little while, but yeah, everyone was using that. And then, as I mentioned, our Iron Banner quest changes will be coming. Um, and obviously, we won't notice that until Iron Banner happens and i do not know the exact date but that is a couple weeks it's sometime in august all right that's all i have for news anyone else have anything for stuff you may have missed in destiny no i always do yeah you always do (laughs) well then it's time to move into mrs hyven's question quarter so this week, I thought we should round out the hive because I'm having a hard time following and recalling exactly what race or cult this is. Is it a race? Is it a cult? I'm it's curious. What is exactly is your... Not that I'm trying to rush you, but you were totally at, sound like you're stammering trying to think of a question. No, no, no. I Are have you buying thing. time? I'm not. Are you just trying to word it? Yes. Trying to word it. So, like, for a hot second there, because the traveler was involved, I was like, oh, 
this is that race that lost the traveler. But then as I was re-listening to last week's episode, like I always do, to try and help me like retain additional information or pick up on new things, I was like, wait, no, that was the fallen. And then I was like, wait, were the fallen and the hive the same thing? And then no, I, I, the fallen and the elixir were the same thing, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you're so are the hive now a race because they all became worm holders? Is the worm the hive? Are the people the hive? Is the hive a cult or is it a race? Well, that's an, actually a fairly easy one. Okay, I didn't say all of my questions no, were no, 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 difficult. No, no. no, wasn't, wasn't, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that unlike sometimes your questions require speculation, this is one we can give you a fairly straightforward answer. Well, exactly. That's what I, mean. I, I need yeah. that, but that's what I'm saying. I need that answer because yep. I think as we move into this, I need to understand that a little more. And I was not I'm trying to criticize sure you. I apologize. Potentially... Our listeners probably already know the answer to this question as well. On the off chance that somebody who, you know, maybe just plays the story and doesn't fully understand the background to every race and or cult, whatever this is, it might also help clarify for them as well. So, uh, to give it a very straightforward answer, you've got the krill as, as the host body. You've got the worm as the, the parasite. But together, they are the hive. Okay, so the individual body actually has its own name as well. The person who the worm is inside is called the krill. So, yes, but not the same. So the krill are referred to as the proto-hive. Basically, when they took on the worms into themselves, we'll actually see it actually this week in our reading. They will be actually coined the term the hive. But basically, the symbiotic relationship between the two basically kind of morphed them into... A new thing as we'll see um, even the sisters will take on different forms and things and eventually they'll all kind of settle into the race that is referred to as the hive so all okay, hives so that hive are born now a race. are hive yes. but yes the origin of the hive were the krill kind of like um you know like some species have the same origin species like like different breeds of dogs for example they all may have come from wolves but you wouldn't call our dogs wolves necessarily because they're not the same anymore I think of it kind of like that. Um, so additionally, though, new hives that are born, would you say that they have worms in them? They're given worms. Yes. They are are they born worms. with worms? Oh, they're given worms. Now you're just saying crazy stuff. Uh, repopulation. Oh, sorry. Not, reproduction of the hive is its own topic. Not like a whole episode, but we do get a little information about how we get more hive, but we'll kind of. Well, we know that they use jelly and weird things, so their release is not just straight. We pop out a baby, insert worm, go forth. Um, so, right. Wait, do so um, they still have to take jelly? I'm sorry, what? That. Well, the krill—that's how they became. They would get the mother morph. Remember, they had to take the mother jelly. So even with the they worms, they still had to morph. To have babies? I mean, they did at some point. The original three sisters. We don't really know exactly what they have to we've do never, in order to... We've never actually seen Hive being born. And I don't know if that's something I want to see. Yeah. Now my question to that is, what races in Destiny have you seen being born? We haven't, but... The hive's reproduction system, we don't quite understand. So, I mean, I can't really answer you that. So, um, at some point, 
we do understand children. Oryx has children. We don't understand children. And he does. It does mention that he, you know, has children with, not like the same way you know people have children with an individual, but there is some requirement. They're not like <laughs> popping off. They're not just like spitting out a worm and it turns into a hive kind of thing. Okay. There is some type of reproduction process involved. And each individual hive does have their own worm. So maybe that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. I'm better they, are, they are a self-sufficient race at this point. Yeah. It's kind of like when you first start breeding a new breed of dog. Like at first, you got to keep breeding those original ones together to get that dog. And then eventually they start breeding with each other. Yes, I wouldn't say that krill are born and then a worm is inserted into it. And uh, at this point, they are just hive. The krill were what they started out as. Cool, cool, cool. And, cool, cool. Yes, and the, as you mentioned, the fallen and the elixni, the race is the elixni. Fallen is just a name yeah. because they've yeah. fallen from grace. In the same yeah. way humans are referred to as, I don't know, whatever different people call us in the game. Well, they call like our our, our guardians get light bearer and all kind of stuff like that. Yeah, the elixir have some fun names for us sometimes too. So, demon. <laughs> That's Master Chief. <laughs> okay, well, brief intro into the topic. Now that her corner is over, you need to go in the corner. You're enough of you. All right. Nobody brief played. intro into the topic once again. The books of sorrow are basically the Hive Holy Text, the Hive Bible. And this is predominantly written by the viewpoint of Oryx. Um, and if you would like verses 1 and 2, listen to episodes 29 and 30. In fact, if you haven't, just stop now. Go back to those. Yes. Yeah, because why are you jumping into verse 3? Right? Like, we label these. Come on. All right. Let's... Mrs. Hyven, would you like to... Start us off. All right, lore book readings. First, three O Hive. Let us speak of the terrible beauty of becoming ourselves. In the beginning, we rode hollow moons from star to star. Arak said, "Become as numerous and fertile as seeds in rich flesh," and thus we did become numerous. Zivaras said. Become as hungry and defiant as tumors in rich flesh. And thus, we became cancers. Savathun said, Drink of the poisons of the worm, so that you might feed on death. And we did feed. This was preparation for our crusade. Aya, we were thus becoming. A mother wizard gets fertility from a mate, or from herself. From the wizard, the spawn. From the spawn, our thrall. From the survivors, our acolytes who contend. If they contend well, their worm is fed. And from the well-fed worm comes knights and wizards and princes. This is us, and our purpose is liberation. Our great task is the worship and admiration of freedom. Our great hunger is to pursue and eat that which is not free. And to liberate it with devouring. Aya, this is us. We, the hive. There we go. And now we see the, essentially, how the hive are born. Um, not in, like, 
the the, the literal sense detailed <laughs> sense yeah. but you know the wizard gives birth to a spawn the spawn becomes a thrall the thrall becomes an acolyte an acolyte becomes a knight a wizard or a prince um and it just has to kill enough when a mommy and needs a daddy and it gives them a special hug, then we get a mass murdering worm. Yeah. Kind of. But, and yes, yeah. we see, as we mentioned before, that a wizard is the mother form of the hive and they can choose to have a mate or not. So that answers. I'm going to do both, this on my own. They can make offspring in the conventional mm-hmm. two party way or. What is it? Asexually, they can just kind of, just kind of like make the offspring themselves. Yeah. I'm an independent hive woman who don't need no man. Exactly. Exactly. Let's be and honest. Basically, Let's cut out the middleman. We don't need that baby daddy. And basically, it's just the fact that, um, just surviving gives you more growth. So they've, because it's an accomplishment to live as the hive, um, they actually have named their aging and these are things we see in game you know thralls just kind of throw themselves at you mass suicide if they survive they grow up to be acolytes acolytes have at least weapons they're a little bit better and if they can continue to grow and as you notice each form gets larger that's when you will see they have to choose to become either a knight or a wizard and of course princes are we've seen princes in game those are usually a special named knights or wizards and things like that but um yeah so if you've ever wondered all those those aren't a bunch of different races all those hive all came from the same thing um they are just... my question applies here that was a good question yep and then so yep. yeah so those are just this is the aging process i um, mean this is as i mentioned before we were going to read we've now seen the birth of the hive yeah we did and the last thing I want to point out is we have the final names for Zivurath and Savathun. Indeed, we do. And Aurix, it's actually currently spelled A-U-R-Y-X. Ivan already gave that one away last week because he thought it wasn't a spoiler. I didn't give it away. Every time you read it, people probably don't. The fact that Elemis just said how it was spelled for some people were probably like, oh, I thought so you guys were saying Oryx really weird. All right. I'll cover the next card. XXI, an incision. Verse 3-1, an incision. Saith Oryx, my siblings, our children are scattered across many moons, and we live in the cold dark between suns. What will we eat? How will we speak? Savathun said, Oryx, my brother and king, I have studied the wounds cut by the worm, our god. Also, I have studied the manner of your death and return. These two things are the same, for they are predicated on death and the passage through cut spaces. Let us practice the sword logic until we are sharp. We may then cut our own wounds and step through. But Shivu Arath said, Sister, I am already sharp. Look, 
my sword cuts into another space. And she cut her way between moons through green fire and joyous screams. Three kingdoms grew swollen in the sword space. They were the gaze and glory of Oryx, the cunning and knowledge of Savathun, the triumph and brawn of Zivurath. These kingdoms were created from the minds and worms of our lords. They were co-terminous with all spaces consecrated by our hive. Through these spaces passed speech and food, and all the moons were bound close. Saith Oryx, this is where I went when I died. Let us establish our thrones here, for I am Oryx, the first navigator, and I shall chart death, and my throne shall be carved of osmium. Right. So, so yeah, the Hive have grown a lot at this point, and they're all over the place. And they're basically wondering how are they going to communicate, how are they going to eat, stay together as a race. And this is when, um, upon you know, some research and noticing things that have happened in the past, they determine that they can gain the knowledge and the power through killing to sharpen their blade and be able to basically cut through time and, well, Space, not really time yet. That's more of a vex thing, but they can cut through space at this point. Um, and Zevo Rath's like, check it out. I figured this out already. <laughs> and then my crazy green fire and screams. Yep. And upon doing this, this is where uh, Orax says, "This is where I went when I was dead. This it must be our like our our space." And this is when they create basically their throne worlds. Um, this is when they are going to like the ascendant plane, uh, and we see that basically each of them has one, uh, but they form one large uh, community. One, yeah, one large space that all hive can communicate, can pass knowledge, food. Um, food for them is really like tribute, and they gain power from the killing and things like that. Uh, so at this point, the hive have kind of become a larger hive mind. Uh, and it's, this is at this point where Orox decides that he is going to establish a throne in this location uh, because he acknowledges that if he dies in the material world, he could still survive here. So this is where their true power lies in these throne worlds, in this new plane of existence. I kind of had chills when I read, for I am Oryx, the first navigator, and I shall chart death. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Right, but can we talk about, like, we were just talking about last week. Like, that wasn't her thing. Like, that wasn't her OG thing. So, like... Well, no. Killing was not her, Oryx's thing. But... Navigating was, yes. But now she's charting death. Is she charting it by doing it? Well, it's a he now, but you know what I mean. Oryx is charting it by allowing himself to die. All right, never mind. That's different then. And I think that's an important specification. No, not that. really. I mean, no, not that. Not really to Elemis. Just the fact that, just wait until we get on. He, he literally has made it his goal to understand death, which requires he kills, he dies, and we'll find out some other powers he gets over death eventually. So, Kill or he dies? Because, like, I, that both. wasn't his thing. It's, it's a bit of both. He chose what he wanted to be. Like, I, that was the interesting question. We only know Oryx as murderer king of the hive 
but he didn't have to. From that's why I asked that question last week. Do you think that he had to be that way? Because that didn't seem to be what his actual nature was. But regardless of what he was supposed to do, or what he had to do, he chose to chart death. He wanted the power over death. Well, and like at this point, he's killing to understand death. Yeah, it doesn't mean whereas, okay. He whereas, go around just killing to understand it. Okay, nobody said the hive were okay. Well, like, <laughs> but like That's he's true. trying Touché. to he's trying to understand it. Whereas Sivu Arath is just doing it because that's in her nature. And also, you know, understand she doesn't that care about any of that. Death it's to just, them is relative, you know? So they're just talking about, as Elmas said, they can die and not die. So, uh, and like, they gain power from death. When you love somebody, you kill them so that they can become stronger. You know, it's a much, much different uh, yeah. thought. Because remember, Oryx got killed by his. Uh, Sister, so he could learn his lesson and come back stronger. Stupid. It's a very different society with a lot of different laws surrounding them. And I mean, like, laws of physics practically are different here. That's why they're paracausal. Same way, but that's what guardians. What happens yep. when we die? We come back and we learn from our experiences. That's how we become. That's why guardians have lived for a long time are badass fighters because they've died doing the stupid stuff. Unless you're a titan, then you just then you just keep doing the do stupid the stuff over and over again. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> because uh, I am that titan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm the person who dies and doesn't learn from their mistake and really just keeps dying until somebody carries them through the story. You are what we call a kindergarten. I am a hardcore kindergarten and i don't think i'm ever going to be able to graduate they will hold me back for life <laughs> all right so let's see now that they realize that they can communicate across all lengths let's see what happens uh we can move on to verse three two the high war now in this time of diaspora there was a war between aurochs and Sabathun and Zevorath. Brother Oryx said, Sabathun, do not forgive my betrayal. Instead, take vengeance upon me for what I did at that dry moon. And Oryx made war on her in worship of the deep. Between them stood Zevorath, saying, Stop, or I will kill you. War is mine, and I am the strongest. This was how they worshipped. For 20,000 years, they fought across the moons, and they fought in the abyssal plains and lightning palaces of each other's sword spaces. And they killed each other again and again, so that they could practice death. Such was their love. At last, the many moons came to many worlds, and it was time to go to war on life. Arak said, I shall establish a court. And whoever comes into this court may challenge me. My court will be in the high war. It will be a killing ground and a school of the sword logic we have learned from our gods. Sabathun thought this was a great idea. She made a court called the High Coven. Sivorath said, The world is my court, wherever there is war. All right, so I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. Learned a lot of information. 
Yep, all your questions are like kind of always answered in the next cards. Just so, good writing. <clears throat> the only thing I truly feel I am educated enough to unpack, however, is just simply that we <laughs> um, we see this expansive time period of twenty thousand years that they that they do this and that they learn this and they hone this skill before creating these courts where they can be challenged and whatnot. Now, as far as what's referenced beforehand, I believe once again we're talking about how um, Savathun killed Orax so he, she would learn their lesson. That whole changing thing really is confusing me. Sorry. Um, rather, he. It's a he now. I mean, they can have children with themselves, so it's not the weirdest thing. Yeah, this race in general is confusing me, okay? <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, so yeah, we learn Savathun says, don't forgive me, and blah, 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 take vengeance against me, and I don't know, that's how we see them going into some really crazy... It's a, basically, and this is how they begin to worship, and I don't know. Creepy, culty, Heidi. You don't um, know. Okay. We'll, we'll yeah. Anyways, then it goes into some other stuff, and I'm going to let you guys take that away. That was kind of the so, plan. So, the two lines that I really want to unpack, and they killed each other again and again so they could practice death. Such was their love. Exactly. So this is what I was trying to explain earlier. For them, it is love and caring to kill each other because by death, you learn your weaknesses, and by killing, you gain strength. So they also got understanding of death. So this helps you appreciate what in the world Orox was really trying to do. Basically, they decided to fight each other. As you said, there really wasn't anything crazy about that. They just decided that they were going to fight each other. And Zivru said, no, killing and war is supposed to be my nature. I can't let you guys beat me. So that's what they did. Um, they, uh, as we said, they, this is what they call, refer to as worship in the deep. Remember the worms taught them basically how to be paracausal. So as we talked about in our last verse, the fact that the deep, the worm gods gave them the power of the deep. So I should rephrase that. Not actually, they didn't have the power of the deep. The worms had the power of the deep, and the worms taught them how to practice this power, this paracausal nature. And we knew that this was through rituals and worship. Uh, so one of the things that they realized they could gain power from was by killing. Um, and as Arax wanted to understand death, well, you gain power in killing and you gain knowledge in death. Basically, if you loved your family, you would give them more knowledge and more power. And the way to do that is to kill them. Um, so they fought each other in their spaces uh, repeatedly, and but the cool thing is they they don't actually die. So it was yep. really just training and practicing. If and they die in in our space, they respawn back in their <laughs> throne world. Yep, yep. And so we also see that uh, this is something that you may not know, but it is relevant to D one. Um, at last, many, world, many moons came to many worlds, and it was time to go to war on life. You see, they focused their attention to the rest of the world, but they did this in moons. Uh, you know that our moon, the hive live on? Well, 
it is they've kind of hollowed it out. So we talked about this at, in the last card, I do believe. Basically, the Hive, instead of using ships, uh, they hollow out moons and turn those into their ships. So, um, so it's just kind of interesting. In the Traveler confirmed? <laughs> not in the Traveler, but in our moon, that's basically what they have been doing to our moon, was making it into a war moon. Another race a war moon. The hive, the traveler. Yeah. So they're referred to as war moon. So we see that they, once they learned enough from each other, they focused their war moons into the expansive universe to go to war on the rest of life. And, of course, that's when we see them. And at this point, this is where they um, realize that um, they're tired of killing each other, that they have other things to focus on, but so they can still gain knowledge and how other um, their offspring and things still have the opportunity to, to benefit from this. This is why they make these, these courts, so that um, they can continue to learn. We see that Oryx, ha Oryx has the hot court of the High War, Sabathun, the High Coven, and Zeevil Arath pulls a Marasov when she says that the universe is her crown. <laughs> Zeevil says... Yeah. Yeah. The world is, is her court because wherever there's war, she doesn't need it. She gains power from all war. Therefore, she doesn't need to have a court. Which is pretty scary considering we've never seen Zivu. This is going to be the... It, it, it seems to be this will be the last sister that we see because we are dealing a little bit with Sabathun. And she's kind of scary, man. I mean, Sabathun is arguably smarter. But Ziva Wrath is kind of terrifying. I, I, like, we fought Oryx, and that was a huge feat. Defeating Savathun is going to be a, a huge battle. It's going to be a mind trip. Own. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a huge mind trip. But Sivu Arath, like, she's all about war. Yeah, and arguably all the fighting against her siblings have been powering her up. Right. Like, this is going to be an amazing sister to fight. Yes, I look forward to it. We have to, we have to get to that eventually. Bungie, give us all of the sisters. Oh, you can't handle all the sisters. Not at once. We'd be destroyed. Right? Individually. One-on-one -on -one time, we can handle them. And so, also, fun fact, we've been in Oryx's court, guys. Remember the court of Oryx in Destiny 1? On his ship? Technically. Yeah. Yeah. We got to see his little court there. Because I, I think he he reshaped it. Because um, physically, his ship has gone through a lot of changes. Yeah, we'll see when he gets his ship. But later on, his sh we'll explain what happens to his ship. But basically, his uh, throne world is kind of like in his ship. He's got an actual location for it. It's kind of cool. Just think of Court of Oryx for a second and remember how you could go up there, you present your rune or you ask for a challenge and then you have different people to fight. So it's kind of the same way. That's basically what those courts were for. For fighting and for you to challenge. So kind of a cool little thing. There's We've had the opportunity to experience what this would be like. And it was it's not only it was not only proving us, but it was also the hive in there were trying to get stronger by proving that they could survive in the court. Oh my god. And some of them were trapped there because they like the two brothers. 
Oh my god, I just thought of something. If you love something, you set it free from life. <laughs> That's their slogan. <laughs> that is the hype slogan. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh my gosh. Like ours is professionalism. That's right, professionalism first and foremost. <laughs> All right, you ready to move on? We still have a lot to get into, and we are running long. All right. Fire without fuel. Verse 3-3. I killed my sister today. She came to this star to oversee the extermination of all life here. The Kugu are a strong power, and their fleets protect four nearby stars. As herd animals, they are loyal and stubborn, but they do show grace. For millions of years of evolution, the Kugu have been infected by a virus so insidious that it wrote itself into their genome. The virus compels them to offer their limbs for amputation by enormous sill jaw beasts. They venerate these beasts and treat them as gods. The virus converts Kugu cells into eggs, from which strange crawling things pupate to live within the jaw beast gut. In turn, the jaw beast extrudes sweet nectar for the Kugu to drink and they have brilliant visions. Savathun and her broods have liberated the Kugu from jobbies, and indeed from existence. But as they chased the Kugu Ark ships, I stopped in to vaporize my sister's warship and a few of her underlings. I want to dwell on the ruins a while and punish Savathun for failing to guard her flank. They are like us, these Kugu, bound in symbiosis. I feel joy and sorrow. I feel them as titanic things because I am larger than my body. My mind is now a cosmos of its own. I know more joy and more anguish than the entire Kugu race could ever experience. Sorrow because we have killed so much, 18 species this century alone. And joy for the same reason. Joy that we have put down these blights, scoured them away, and left the universe clean, ready to move towards its final shape. We are a wind of progress, ripping parasites from the material world, for if they were not parasites, we would be unable to kill them, and they would still exist. And what is that final shape? It is a fire without fuel, burning forever killing death, asking a question that is its own answer, entirely itself. That is what we must become. My worm grows fat and hungry. I feed it with whole worlds. My astronomers tell me that they can sense the deep itself and that we are conquering our way towards it. I think joy and sorrow will be the same thing soon, like love and death. I just want to point out, there's one part in here. Uh, but as they chased the Kugu Ark ships, I stopped in to vaporize my sister's warship and a few of her underlings. Like, I love how casual that is. Oh yeah, they're chasing. Like, they've been doing it for over 20,000 years. It was, just a, it was just a Saturday afternoon and your brother just stopped in for a little, little uh, some, some lemonade. Exactly. 
<laughs> Borrowed a cup of sugar, vaporized your whole house. No big deal. Exactly. Yeah. Also, when she says I fed it with whole worlds, my brain literally, like I had to fight it so hard because I almost said I fed it with whole foods. Real healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Only the That's best. That's got so big and strong. Yep. We do not have sponsorship from Whole Foods. But Whole Foods, <laughs> if you want to. I'll plug that uh, chocolate mousse cup with the berries on top all day long. All day long. Maybe if we were more professional, they'd sponsor us. Me. I'm going to push They can't this take more. us with our faults. I'm going to push okay. professionalism on this podcast because that's what we're all about. <laughs> but guys, can we talk about that last line? I think joy and sorrow will be the same thing soon. Like love and death. Yep, yep, yep. He says that he feels sorrow about the fact that he killed all these species, but joy for the same reason, because they're accomplishing their goal. And just as we realized before, that by killing, they were showing love. So love and death are already the same for okay. them at this also, point. It's, yeah, like, very remember interesting. Remember last week when we were talking about like people doing bad things but thinking it was for the right reason mm-hmm. now they're discussing ripping parasites from the material world they're saying that if they weren't parasites we wouldn't be able to kill them but, yeah. they but that is their goal remember we said that they gain power through death and that by death you you know, you, you you prove superior. We talked, I think we, uh, Elmas said last week that it was Darwinism to, like, the highest degree. Uh, this yeah, is where we find out. flawed because everyone except for Guardians can die. Guardians and them. No, no, no. This and, is and not at this a... point, Guardians don't even exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not the fact that they're in... It, it, this is not the killing like they were doing to each other to learn. At this point, we see, we hear this Kugu race. We learn a little bit about them, and then we hear that they were liberated from yeah, these beasts be and from killed? life themselves. Um, and this is just an example of what's going on, because as we said... The beast was a parasite, but the cougar themselves weren't. No, see, because this, this is it right here. And they're still trying to... Cr- so they've already killed 18 species. Um, and as you said, they basically ripped them. They would not be parasites if they were not able to die, basically. Because as it says, what is the final shape? Basically, that is their goal. Remember what the worm gods told them? That they would need to get to the final shape. So what the hive's goal is, is to bring the universe to its finest shape. And basically, what that is, is killing any civilization off that is weak. So as the hive currently being the strongest civilization, yeah, I mean, they kill them... Everything else is weaker. Yeah, well, that's the point. If they kill them, then... They do not deserve to live if the species this wins. Is flawed. How because so? They're gonna at this point, they're gonna kill them. Then, then they don't deserve to live because they are not powerful enough to reach the final shape. But we the see that it is, is stronger it is, than everyone else. That's the goal, though. That, they're looking the for. They're looking for absolute. But do not see why this it is. is no, There's it is fire, fire without fuel. Eventually, the only fuel. ones that are going to live with the hive are guardians. Guardians don't exist. Guardians no, don't exist. Eventually, that'd be the only ones that could compare because they could no. die and come no, back. No, no, nope. They're trying to kill guardians too. 
Their goal is yeah. to... Oh, but yeah. what pisses me off is Guardians are the same way as the Hive. The only reason the Hive has been able to do this stuff for this long is because if for whatever reason they die, they come back. But you're missing the fact that they are trying to get closer to absoluteness. They, as it says, my astronomers tell me they can sense the deep itself and that we are conquering our way towards it. The I only just, way I'm to... Just saying, uh, reach absolute I'm perfection is pissed off at the unfairness of it all because the only reason the hive are able to be considered strong are because they have a paracausal worm constantly keeping them alive they exactly. are that is the only reason they are better than these other people they are killing because but, they've but had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years but this is why i play devil's advocate this is why your thinking is flawed they are looking for a race that can put up a fight to prove that they are more powerful. But no race and is going to be able to put listen, up a fight with no, them because wait, no race has been you, living as long as they have but and you're training wrong. as long as they have. But you're wrong. <clears throat> That's exactly what the Guardians are. They finally found someone they and, could not kill. I and that is their goal. I literally just said that. I said the, eventually the only ones yes. they're going to be able to deal with are the Guardians. Exactly. So but that the meantime, is what they're looking everyone for. everyone just dies because their minds are so twisted. I don't like it. I didn't tell you you had to like it. I'm just telling you that their philosophy right. for what they're trying to do makes sense. It's the same reason people believe in, in genocide, that there should be an absolute. There should be one absolute powerful being. I'm not saying that it's good. Clearly killing anyone because they're weak is horrible. Um, but, but no, even like that podcast that you and I were just listening to, when it came to trying to take out what people saw as defective humans... Um, to clean up a race again, you know a. She's a, referring to uh, eugenics. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a specific podcast, the Radio Lab, in their G series that they're doing right now. But don't again, need full background. But I'm saying if they want to go are. listen to it, I'm saying if they want to go and listen to it. Um, they actually talk about by doing that, by killing off anyone that you decide is not perfect, you mess up the variables of creating better species as you move forward <clears throat> yes but you have to understand that this is not the same the hive gain power through death every time they kill a civilization they get stronger they get one step closer these other fair. races these other races if they were powerful they would also get power from death they would also commune with the deep the same way the hive are However, they they're not. Some creepy worm come up to them. I'm just saying the so, original hive, these three sisters. It just bothers me because they should have died thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago. Like, why did you have to take this opportunity to become so murdery? Because because they are in they're 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 they have worms in them. They can't not, or they will die. They are following yeah. their nature at this point. The same way you have to eat and sleep. And go to work. This is just their life. This is what they have to do to survive. The deep told them to the seek the final sheep. The Why final... can't they just murder bad people? Because the, you're thinking good and evil. They don't care about good and evil. They care about. They care about the final shape. The final shape and the final shape. As I was trying to say, they describe it as fire without fuel, burning forever, killing death, asking a question. That is its own answer entirely itself. They are looking for absolute. The question is the answer. The file, fire and the fuel are the same. There is just absolute 
There is no good and evil. There is no okay, love I'm and just death. Saying, do you understand no my frustration? They themselves cannot actually stand up to this very specific bar that they have set. That's what they're trying to do. They are a comp- they are working towards the final shape. They are working but towards I'm just saying, the power of the If people. it weren't for their paracausalness of being able to survive death, but that's they why they would also not be up to this standard. But they weren't, and they literally killed their way for 20,000 years into the ability to do this. I think you're thinking but, of it as okay, the fact. Also, hold up. Why do they not offer them the same opportunity that they had to also gain the same power? We'll talk about that later. But we talked about it a little bit. Remember that they don't believe in gifting anything power must be taken remember we talked about how the sky has gifts the deep does not give um you have to take and this is going to become very important later on because as i was saying the hive didn't start out they had to this was not i think you're thinking of it as like they were given superpowers so it's unfair no it was like they trained for thou- they were given the prospect of being something great and then they trained for like thousands of years to harness this power. So why it's yeah. a horrible thing to do? People that didn't get the same opportunity as them. Well, the thinking is that if this race never Other people don't have the opportunity to train for twenty thousand years because they. Once I once again I go back to the reason they're trying to find the final shape is if nobody else is able to exist, then they have conquered all. They, it's basically it's like in a movie, someone who wants to control the world, you know, world domination. They want to have a supreme rulership. It's the same. And I would say that they're thinking that their thinking is not completely thawed because they did eventually. They ran into Guardians. They're stuck here, not being able to beat us at this moment, trying as hard as they can. At this point, they have found something that is close close enough to their equal. Um, and honestly, we don't quite understand what the final shape is. Um, the Hive are working towards it, but they're not the only one. Uh, Mr. Callus is very interested in seeing what the final shape is. His goal is to just live long enough to see the final shape. So, <laughs> Mr. Callus. Mr. Callus here. So I'm. I, I feel that you do not like the hive, father. but nobody likes the hive. That's kind of their thing. They're pretty freaking horrible. But can you see how twisted they were? They were given these worms that told them they had to kill and feed. At this point, poor Oryx says that his worm grows fat and hungry. I feed it with whole worlds. He literally has to kill planets in order to survive at this point. Um, they're but so again, that's all they need, that was thinking. never Oryx's nature to begin with. Oryx chose to be a murderer. He but could have just fed it way... by exploring whole worlds because that's who he was. But that was the only way he gained power was from death. So unfortunately, he had to take. Because as the Deep only he takes... He just kept killing his siblings. Well, you take life. So, unfortunately, things just kind of one thing led to another. I sense your frustration, but I think you're arguing over good and bad, and that's clearly the hive are not are, are kind of bad, but we're talking in the description of what their race is motivated by. There is no good and evil. It's just... I'm just saying, they have a lot of other... like. It's like every time they were faced with a choice, they chose the wrong choice. Once again, their race is not yeah. based off the same morals as ours is. So for them, they took the powerful choice. They took the choice that led to existence. 
Therefore, they chose properly. Well, and like, you also have to remember where they originally came from. Like, their lifespan was eight years. They and they fed their brothers years. and sisters to people. So, every choice that they've made has been in the pursuit of longer life and power. Yeah, and they're finally getting it. So, in their mind, they're just, they're crushing it right now, man. And we see that they've grown, too. The Ammonites almost beat them. Took them over two years to beat them. And now they just stroll up on a casual afternoon, kill a population, maybe have a little time to have lunch with your sibling as they kill you, and then go back to your business. Like, they've grown in power, and the only way they've done that is by this killing. So as messed up as it is, they're accomplishing their goal. And, and yeah. this is why the Traveler is painted in a good light, and the Hive, the Deep, is painted in a negative. So while you might not like the Traveler, you don't really want to serve the Deep. Yeah. There might not be a winning side. All right. Does that? I know you're not happy, but should we move on? Mm-hmm. I'm good with it. I think she's honestly angry now. I worked myself up into a tizzy and now I'm sleepy. <laughs> All right. I'll cover verse three, four. The scream. No! Savathun, Zivurath, my siblings, we are betrayed. We will never live eternal. Our might shatters entire species. We inhale the smoke of their burning. This is our compact with the worm. Our God. The worm makes us mighty. But as we wield this might, our worm's hunger expands. If we fail to feed it, it will devour us from within. I have exterminated 306 worlds, and now I am certain. My worm's hunger grows faster than the might I draw from it. We are bound by our covenant to obey our nature. Eternal search. Eternal cunning. Eternal conquest. But as we do this, my siblings, we feed our worms. And the more we feed them, the hungrier they grow. Faster and faster. Soon, my siblings, we will be so mighty and our worms so hungry that not with all our might could we possibly feed them, and we will be devoured? What can we do? All right, so you see, Mrs. Hyven, they realize that they'd messed up too. So, as I was, so Mrs. Hyven, you get your worries answered here. Um, the Hive, or Oryx specifically, realizes that basically they were lied to, uh, the reason they're doing all this killing is because the worm gods promised them eternity, which is exactly what they wanted. However, Oryx is starting to realize that they were lied to, that they cannot live forever, because as fast as they can kill, they're getting to the point where their worm needs more than they can give. Um, he says he's exterminated 306 worlds, and now he's certain my worm's hunger goes faster than I might draw from it. So is that why the Guardians the benefit them, though? Like, because they can kill them and the Guardians just regenerate and it basically 
kind of sustains them now. Kind of. I would kind of just stop not think about the Guardians at all at this point. Um, this is kind of the origin of them. We'll no, get I know, to that, but I'm just saying but... they're clearly still alive, so they clearly haven't been devoured by their worms. No, so, so... once again, that's what I mean. You're asking questions that, like, this, this book will answer. We'll, we'll get into how they're going to get their power. Um, really, we are not related to this book in any way. Also, I would like to say... At this point, they've lived like let's just let's just lowball it and say twenty five thousand years. Let's just lowball it. That's that's an eternity compared to their eight. So. Oh yeah, but they realize that this is why people refer to as like the Faustian deal, the Faustian bargain. They were given with a large promise, but in reality, what was asked from them was much more than they got. Um. They Another got thing. all this, Sorry. but they've Sorry. given everything, and ultimately, well, that kind they're of not even going to be able to live forever. Beggars can't be choosers. It's like when you need, you know, uh, want to buy a house, so you go to the bank and you ask for a loan. Well, there's going to be massive interest rates because you don't have the money to just pay for it outright. I mean, let's be honest, who does? But... Still, like, yeah, they'll give it to you, but there's going to be strings attached, and it's going to end up costing you more than the house actually would if you could just pay for it outright. But yes, but now imagine a time where the bank asks more from you than you can give. What happens? Your home gets repossessed. Exactly. So at this point, that is what's happening to them. But they knew that they going into it. No, they were told that as long as they follow their nature, they would live forever. They were never told that their worm would get so hungry that they would not be able to feed it. All right, touche. That's a valid point. You know, it, it's not just steadily increasing. It's like, it's, you know, magnifying at like, by like multiples, you know. It's it's not just like a little bit more each day. It's like, no, this is like compounding on itself. It's compounding interest yeah. basically yeah. going on. No, I understand. And they're that at the point mind. now where they can't do anything about it, which is why it's a problem. They literally end with, what can we do? At this point, all they know is that their worm is getting hungrier and hungrier all the time. And at this point, they can't really kill much more because they're going to run out of worlds. As you said, kind of stupid, but they just were doing what they thought. This is how they were getting power from the deep, by following this. And at this point, they're realizing that this can't go on forever, as you mentioned, and that something has to change. So do you feel a little bit better that they were wrong? To some degree, and it's kind of backfiring on them. Not really, because I know they're still alive, and I know that we just end up kind of sustaining that thirst. So it's not actually. You'll see what happens. They actually try a lot of different stuff. Everyone tries something different. You'll find out. That's Sabathun's doing it right now, which is what's happening in game. But that's yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a Dreaming City podcast. Before they found the Guardians, they had no unrelated. Unrelated to once again, trust me, the Guardians. I don't trust you. The Guardians do not play into this book. This is all. This is well before the Guardians exist. Okay. You're telling me that before there's the a... Guardians show up, they had already found a solution, because there's a solution in this book. Well, they live much, much, much longer before they have to worry about Guardians coming into existence. Okay, but that's not what I asked. They yeah, found this a is solution the origin to this story. problem during this book. No, they've never found a solution to this problem. Honestly. Not so, ult- not completely. Right. The guardians technically are their solution. 
No, I don't believe they gain. They don't gain power from us because in the same way, so we just res again. Um, it, it, it not necessarily. Look, it like if I they said, gain it's power kind from of killing each other, this. and they resed again. Shouldn't they gain power from killing the guardians? Well, they're not really gaining power for their worms in the same. They're not satiating their worm that way. Yes, Again, but it's killing their in worm general. by killing each other. The point is, they're not trying to just kill guardians. Guardians are not like their trick to. They're not letting, trying right. to let us live forever. The 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 worm. They I mean the hive are actively trying to end us. Does that make sense? Which is also stupid. Cause your questions aren't bad. Your questions aren't bad. They are just not part of the topic at hand. That's they all. Just they're for what a they different wanted, episode. And now they're trying to end us. Once again, this is the origin story of the hive. The hive Bible. We, we're not there. Mrs. Hyven, you should probably bring all this back up during our speculation episode. Yes. Remember, we're trying to just go in card by card right now. You are going to have a lot of good points when we go into that episode. When we do the Dreaming City episode, all about the about Sabathun. Truth to power. and yeah. yeah, truth to power, I should say, actually. Hold those thoughts. See, this is, what, this is good, though. You're getting excited about the lore. Unfortunately, this is your only platform that you ever you talk about it, so you're kind of just lorgasming all over the place. So just oh, reeled in for a little while. <laughs> reeled in for a bit. that up. I would hope you. That's what I'm trying to get, you know, but... But you've already established that I'm not the clean one. Well, we'll just worry about not making any more messes. We'll stay on topic now, and eventually we will answer all of your questions as much as we can. You know, it's one of those things where people tell you just like, well, if you would just be patient and read ahead, it'll be answered. It's kind of like that. I don't like those people. You're married to one of those people. <laughs> there's there's progression. She's just impatient. All right. I'm well, I'm gonna move on. Bitch. Okay, she's about to fall asleep for good, and I'm not gonna wake her up this next time. Uh, so. No. <laughs> verse three. Although she's supposed to comment, so try to stay awake if you can for this one. Okay. I got. I got this, you guys. I got this. All right. Verse 3, 5. Dictata ir dakua. Attention. Perimeter security units attend. Stand by to assimilate new imperatives. Land 60 proof assimilation liquor or face immediate non compliance taxation. The Daku Ministry of War is now online and true. In radio year 989, Groove 3 are clients in the Dakua Nest salvage an interstellar spacecraft. Hull isotropes date the craft's construction 24,000 years ago, around the same time the fundament system dropped out of contact with their amiable ecumene. Semantic spike, i.e. Mercenary explorers, disposable class, Discovered an organism frozen in stasis deep within the hull. She claims to be Teox, member of a proto-hive species. During debriefing, she provided records of the fall of Ammonite civilization and vital intelligence about the motives, biology, and leadership of the hive. Negative reinforcement. 
bomb.axon 8x8 inflict and over the past century perimeter security units of the ecumene status army have failed to halt hive incursions on 17 separate worlds all species in the ecumene face extinction positive reinforcement reward dot axon 11 by vv2 inspire percent decapitate defer Promote Dakua strategic dicta for victory against the hive. Identify supreme hive leadership organisms. Arash, Sathona, and Gyro. Target these entities with maximum theater overkill. Catometric release authorized. Prosecute targets whenever they manifest. Hive cohesion will crumble. Total victory over the hive will be achieved by clean sweep genocide. Enact impulse Endora Vindicator. So. Yeah, that was fun to read. <laughs> right. Uh, it's kind of like a computer program. It's hard, though. Well, like, I kind of see it as, as ship logs. Yeah, that's what I feel like. It's like, because we have, it's hard for me to kind of... For I mean to explain just by reading, but there is like a you type in some information, you get a response back like inquiry response inquiry response. Right. Um. But we do see that there is a little bit of a timeline. Twenty four thousand years ago, around the same time the fundament system dropped out of contact. So the hive been have been around for twenty four thousand years. Uh. Mrs. Hyvox in her ballpark timeline then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right, it was. I know. Also, guys, alcohol. They talked about alcohol. They did. Um, assimilation liquor, not kind of the joyful type. No, it sounds like drinking perfect. that Kool-Aid. Basically, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Vex milk, maybe? Ew. Are they involved with Vex milk? Yeah. No, it's just this race sounds... Uh, that's more of like my own thing. It sounds kind of Vex-like at times in their description. But anyway, uh, we see the re-emergence of Teox. Um, she was frozen. Yeah. Because like, we had no idea what happened to her. She just disappeared. But apparently she was frozen in stasis. <clears throat> and it still refers to her as proto-hive species. So she's still the good old, her good old-fashioned self to a degree. The krill. Yeah, she's still a krill. Which is very interesting. So we still don't know how she's still alive. But she is. And uh, the... Di- she gave the him a lot of information. Akua, they have the actual original names of the Hive leadership. Arash, Sathona, and Shiro. Yeah, so their their timeline is a little out of date. It says, you know, Teox was able to tell them about the Ammonites who fell and kind of their motives and basically biology, tell them about the worms and tell them the leadership. But apparently she's been asleep for, what, 20,000 years. 20- yeah. 4,000 years before they changed their name and started killing and everything. So 
their information is only partially correct. Yeah. And basically, these ecumene armies, basically, they've been doing bad, but in order to not be extinct, they basically are, like I said, it almost sounds like a computer program. They're enacting a, like, last-ditch effort. It reminds me of, like, when Rasputin um, sent out, like, basically his commands to just, like, full-on use everything you had kind of thing, so. Almost. I still stand behind the fact that yeah, I think it's like ship logs. <clears throat> yeah, it, I think it is something like that. Positive reinforcement. There's a, I just love that there is a, I almost wonder if this is like, these are the different logs to possibly be sent out. There's one for negative reinforcement, if that's what people need, and there's one for positive reinforcement, if that's what they need. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have nothing else to add, we ready to move on to 36? Yeah. I'll be covering 36. Go for it. Verse 36. Star by star by star. Beneath the green fire sky in the throne world of King Oryx, our lords embrace. We, the Hive, watch as Savathun puts her arm around Zivu Arath, and Zivu Arath clasps forearms with Oryx, and Oryx takes Savathun by the shoulder. They are huge, huge, and they burn with furious power. But this embraces weakness, and we despise it. Never before have we despised our lords. Have they failed us? We, the Hive, have been driven back, world by world. I am at my end, Savathun says. I plot and plan, but I cannot gather enough bloodshed to feed my worm. And the harder I try, the hungrier it becomes. I slaughter and kill, Siva Arath says, but the harder I fight, the more my worm demands. I, too, am at my end. The Ecumene War Angels have killed me so many times, Oryx says, that I dare not go out into the universe, lest I need my might to protect myself. My worm chews at my soul in hunger. Is this the end of our crusade? Are we the Hive, unworthy to exist? Sivu Arath puts down her great head. We should retire and gather our strength. Savathun closes her eyes in puzzled defeat. We should beg the worm, our god, to tell us what to do. But King Oryx, who knows best the beauty of the final shape, roars at them. Have you learned nothing? Would you deny our purpose? Whatever we do, we will do by killing. By an act of war and might. That is the final arbiter we serve. That violent arbiter. And if we turn away from it, we deserve to be eaten. No. We must obey our natures. We must be long-sighted and cunning and strong. We must take this gift, the worm, our god has given us this challenge and find a way to keep existing.
How will we feed our worms? Sivorath asks. I know, says cunning Savathun. I know a way. But it won't work unless we are killing the ecumene by the billions. How can we beat them? If we cannot beat their strengths, says Sivorath, we must infect their weaknesses. But they are lords of matter and physical law. I know a way, King Aurex says, but it will require great power, more power than any one of us can claim. Then kill me, says Zivurath, and use that killing logic, the power you prove by killing something as mighty as me. So King Aurex took up his blade and beheaded Zivurath. And strangle me, says Savathun, holding a blade behind her back. Use that killing logic, the cunning you prove by killing something as smart as me. But King Aurex turned with the speed and might of Zivurath, and beheaded Savathun before she could move. King Aurex was the first navigator, with the map of death. These were true deaths, for they happened in the sword world. Then he went to the worm named Akka. Alright, so this is pretty cool. Cool in the fact that we see some interesting turn of events. Uh, basically, they, the three, the siblings, just, they have a, having a good old-fashioned powwow. They're meeting together to decide what's going to happen. Um, and it's so crazy for them that, like, even their followers are, like, looking at them with disdain that they've failed. Uh, and they basically just go on to say that we have schemed, we have killed, we have uh, died navigated. and navigated <laughs> as much as possible, and it's just not working. I mean, Oryx goes on to say as much as that the Ecumene are so powerful, they've killed him so many times that he's kind of just scared to go out there anymore because he might actually need his power to just not be ended. Like, they're, they're, this, this race is um, kind of kicking their butts. So this was, uh, yeah. Mrs. Hyven has had to, to, to go uh, offline, but I th- this is part when she listens back, she'll appreciate. Once again, you know, she was worried that saying that no race could beat the hive. Well, you see that there, there is a race, um, which is, so, you know, it, it's not, Guardians were not the first race to give them trouble. We saw the Ammonites gave them trouble, but these Ecumen, they had them on the rocks. So much so that they realized that there was only one way for them to win. And it was like killing each other, basically. Uh, they determined that one of them was not, no one was more power, was powerful enough to stop them. And individually, they were also not powerful enough. So they took some action. Well, and, and so their big plan was to go talk to one of the gods, one of the worm gods. And the only way that they could actually do that was for one of them to kill the other two and essentially become as strong as they were. Yeah. Yeah, Sevathun says that she knows a way, but it's not going to work unless they kill the Ecumenes by the billions. And they realize they can't do that because they're not strong enough. So it's like a chain of events. They have a plan, but it starts with 
one of them having all of the power of three. Yep. And you can see that they definitely uh, acknowledge that Arox is kind of the powerful, the great navigator, that he knows the most from trying to understanding death. Because right off the bat, Zivu just says, kill me, take my power. You have to, they're, they're super desperate. Because as we see at the end, these are actual deaths. These are in their throne world. Yes. They're so desperate that they offer to completely die. Um, granted, Sabathun doesn't act like, she acts like she's ready to die. I, but I love how she says, strangle me with a knife behind her back. Hoping that as soon as Arox gets in close to strangle her, she can kill him and she can gain their power. However, Oryx now has the power of two of the siblings already and he beheads her before she can act. So at this point, Arox has killed both of his sisters permanently at this moment and he has all of their power. And at this point, he knows that this is still not enough. This is when he decides he is going to go talk to the worms their original gods so we see that the worms are still around and apparently they know where they are or at least they do now with all of their power and understanding yep all right uh i guess i'll move on to three seven you ready to go sounds good all right verse three seven eat the sky Emergency imperative. All militarized units attend. All right. Land 120 proof fight or flight, encoding or face certain catastrophic defeat. The Ecumene Crisis Council is now online and true. Attention. As of radio 990, Groove Zero, the Hive has launched a staggering counterattack across the Spinward Frontier. Perimeter... Militia and shock fleets report total casualties. We anticipate total ecumene disintegration slash extinction within 220 years. Vigilance spike, i.e. attend. The entity Oryx, Arash, is deploying a paracausal ontopathogenic weapon that infects and subverts ecumene forces. The weapon operates on individual targets. Targets are abducted and returned as compliant hive slaves with inexplicable and physically illegal abilities. All ecumen clients should immediately devote all economic and cognitive resources to a countermeasure. Fight hard. We stop the hive here or see our galaxy devoured. Enact impulse 10 by 10 Abayard Berserker. So it's been about a year, according to the the Ecumen, um, and they're predicting that there's going to be and like the Ecumen are going to be fully extinct within 220 years. Um, oh, and this is the first mention of Oryx, as in O R Y X. Yep. 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 So, yeah, and it still says Arash. So, remember, they knew him as Arash, and then now they know him as Oryx. So, as you just stated, a year has passed. So, there's a reason it sounds like we jumped. That's because we went from a year into the future. And, fortunately enough, if you read ahead, we'll see what happened. But Oryx has now gone through his final name change, 
And whatever the heck he did, he is just destroying them on a new scale. Um, and in fact, he's got a new power. He's actually abducting their people and turning them against them, which is kind of like the only way that they can win at this point because the Ecumen are super powerful. So now they have a slave army to fight. Yep. Pretty crazy, man. They uh, upped their liquor. 120 proof fighter flight encoding. <laughs> I'm just so curious. Are these like, uh, like you know, drunken warriors? You know, in the mar- martial arts style, they can only they get more powerful <laughs> as they drunk. Drunken masters. Have you ever seen that old movie? Yes, that's exactly I suppose, what this is. Man. Very interesting. Like I said, I never this this race is very interesting. I'd be more curious to learn more about the ecumen, but but unfortunately. We currently fight the hive, so we kind of <laughs> yeah. see how this outcome goes. Exactly. Well, I guess it's time to move on. Let's see there. Yep. Outcome. I will be covering verse 3-8, King of Shapes. This is the coronation of Oryx, the Taken King. It happened thus. In the cold abyss of the sword world, King Arash walked under a cloak of green fire. He walked through the sky, and the sky shuddered and froze beneath his feet. He walked until he found Akka, the Worm of Secrets, who was denying a truth until it became a lie. Akka, my god, Worm of Secrets, I am Oryx, sole king of the Hive. I have come to receive a secret. I want the secret power of the deep, which you hold. I give no secrets, said Akka, whose voice was code. No, said Oryx. You give nothing. Giving is for the sky. You worship the deep, which asks that we take what we need. Akka said nothing. Because if it denied this truth, the truth might become false. But you gave us your larvae, the worm, said Oryx. And that is why the worm devours us now. Because it was given, not taken. So I must take what I need from you, although you are my god. Said Akka, you have not the strength. But that was a lie. Oryx had killed Savathun, his sibling, and Zivu Arath, his sibling, and he had the sword logic of killing them. Oryx, the first navigator, set upon his god with his sword and his words, and cut Akka to pieces, and took from those pieces the secret of calling upon the deep. He wrote this secret on a set of tablets, which he called the Tablets of Ruin. And he wore them around his waist. I'm going to redo that. It's about, not around. And he wore them about his waist. Then Arik said, Now I may speak to the deep, the beautiful final shape. I will be king of shapes. I will learn all the secrets of our destiny. His speech to the deep is not recorded here. But... It is known that he returned, and he said, Now I am Oryx, the Taken King, 
and I have the power to take life and make it my own. Then he went out into the universe and fought the ecumene with his tablets, and the worm, his god, was pleased. So this is what happened after he killed his sisters. So this is why he is so powerful. He went to Akka, um, specifically Akka, the worm of secrets. It's kind of fitting. And asked for secrets, at which point Akka said that it gave no secrets. And this is where Rx is really starts getting things. He says, no, you give nothing. Giving is for the sky. You worship the deep that asks that we take what we need. So as we'd mentioned before, there have been taught this whole time, the worm gods are their mediators, you know, kind of between the deep and them. They have never had direct contact with the deep. But they're told that the deep only takes, that they should be taking, which is why they're taking life, which is why they're doing this fighting. But Oryx realizes that the reason these worms are killing us is because we didn't take them. They were gifted. You gifted to us. Therefore, we are weak. We are being fed upon by them. They are taking our life. At this point, he, I love, he just tells Akka that uh, I got to take what I need from you, which is just kind of pretty intense. He basically goes to what was his yeah. God and just says, you gave, I need to take it now. And I love the response. It's like Akka must not have known what had happened because it says that you do not have the strength. But you must not know that Oryx just killed his two sisters because he is now overcharged. And he basically is like, no, no. I'm stronger than you thought I was. And he literally just goes at the worm, just hacking and slashing it, just killing it. Um, right. It's not great for podcasts, but I mean, it's just a great image in the book. Just Oryx with the sword standing in front of the worm god, just preparing. Imagine the will of the thousands worm coming out of the ground and Oryx just standing there with his wings open with a sword in his hand. It's a great mental picture, hopefully. It's a great actual picture if you look it up. But yeah, man. Oh, it is amazing. He kills the worm. He kills Akka, and with that, he learns how to contact the Deep himself. So that was the true power that the Worm Gods had. They were the go-between. Oryx doesn't need a go-between anymore, so his actual power is learning to convene with the Deep. That is what he puts on the Tablets of Ruin that he wears. What he actually learns from the Deep, that's where, as it says, we do not know, we do not have the conversation. We don't know what happens when he convenes with the Deep. But ultimately, we know he comes back as now Oryx, the Taken King. And at this point, he has, he has taken the taking to a whole new level. You know, he just talked about how <laughs> things need to be taken, not given. At this point, now he has the power to take living beings, reshape their will to his own. So, like, he's taking life in a completely different sense than he was before. He's not just ending them, he is completely repurposing them for himself. So this is when the Oryx that we know comes into power, and this is why yeah. he is now destroying the Ecumene, because he has the full power of the Deep at this point. It's pretty crazy, man. Oryx is... And I know Oryx is supposed to be a horrible person that we destroyed, but he's just kind of just was so... Right. I don't know what, like, he's just so powerful, and like... 
just the character is just like, look at the balls on this dude. <laughs> well, and like, it, it's and the funny because it's just ah. it's funny because we viewed them as hive gods, and I mean we slayed him. So what does that say about us? Yeah, I mean that's why we're called like God Killer and crazy stuff like that because we, granted we were not by ourselves, we had help, but yeah, that makes that's why our guardian is so crazy. This we killed the guy who just straight killed the worm gods and is just well one of them and is talking to the deep. Like it's pretty impressive. Like Oryx was just a powerful character, which is why I like Oryx's character. And the fact that while he's still evil, I can never say he's good. He knows how to like work the system. Um, I feel like he's not blindly following the same way you kind of think yeah. some of the other hive just follow. Um, I think it's also why like a lot of theories came out that like one of his ways to get past his worm was to have us kill his worm so that he could come back in the future and blah 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 blah. And there was all these theories for a while about how Oryx wasn't actually dead after we killed him in the raid. And, like, I think that's why a lot of the fan theories came out is because I think people would like to see the character again, maybe in a different sense, not being completely restricted by his worm. So if they ever did that, I think it would be cool. I do like that they're doing other things with the story. I don't want them to focus on Oryx forever. But that totally could be, like, a, a book or something, you know? So in a roundabout way, he could navigate the system. Oh, <laughs> and he could take his time. <laughs> All right, puns aside, are we ready for the last entry? I am ready. So hopefully, Mrs. Hyven, when you listen back to this, this will answer a lot of your questions. You wanted to know how they stopped their worms from killing them. You take it. All right. Verse... 3-9, carved in ruin. Oryx made war on the Ecumene for a hundred years. At the end of those hundred years, he killed the Ecumene Council on the Fractal Wreath, and from their blood rose Zivu Arath, saying, I am war, and you would have conquered me back with war. Oryx was glad, for he loved Zivu Arath. The Ecumene wailed in grief. Then Oryx and Zivorath made war on the Ecumene for 40 years. At the end of those 40 years, Oryx said to the Dakua nest, Listen, I am jealous of my sibling Zivorath. Help me kill her. And, in desperation, they agreed. But he drove the Dakua nest into a trap, and they were made extinct. From their ashes rose cunning. Sabathun, saying, I am trickery, and you have conjured me back with trickery. Oryx was glad, for he loved Sabathun. The Ecumen fled into the void. Then they made war on the Ecumen for a thousand years, and exterminated them so wholly that nowhere except in this book are they remembered. This book and the mind of Teox, who was not found. And Sabathun said, King Oryx, how will we feed our worms? Did you use my plan? Oryx told the hive, I am the Taken King, and here is my law. You thrall, each of you will claw and scream and kill what you can. 
Take enough killing to feed your worm and a little more to grow. Tie the rest to the acolyte who commands you. You acolytes, lead your thrall in battle. Take enough killing to feed your worm and a little more to grow. And take the tithe of the thrall you lead. Then tie the remainder to the knight or wizard who commands you. Thus, you pay tribute. You knights and wizards, lead your followers in battle. Take enough devastation to feed your worm and a little more to grow. And take the tithe of your followers. Then take another portion, as much as you dare, and use it for your own purposes. But if it is too much, your peers will kill you and take it. Then tithe the remainder to the ascendant you serve. An ascendant will be those among the hive who gather enough tribute to enter the netherworld. They will pay a tithe to those above them. And thus the tribute will flow up the chain so that Savathun and Zivu Arath and myself will be fed by a great river of tribute. And we will use that excess to feed our gods and to study the deep. Thus, all worms will be fed as long as we continue our crusade. This is my law. I carve it thus in ruin. Ayat. We see the hive hierarchy here. And it's funny because like, it's talking about thrall, acolytes, knight, and wizard, and ascendant. Nowhere in there are ogres or cursed thrall. Yeah, ogres are special. I don't think we talk about them in this book, but they are somewhere in the lore we could discuss someday. Yeah. Um, Same with cursed thrall. I like that it, uh, not only do we get this, like, system, well, this answers Mrs. Ivan's question when she's able to lead back. She asked that good question of, what did they do? Did they, did they meet the Guardians? No, it was not the Guardians. It was the knowledge that Oryx gained that was able to lay this in motion. Um, it's all about the it, tributes. Yeah, it's all about the tribute. I guess we should start with the fact that we said that his siblings were dead, but we talked about them, how we were going to see them in the future. So you were probably like, I don't understand. Well, we thought they were dead. So not only do they not die unless they're in their throne world, well, even if they're killed in their throne world, they can be brought back by the ultimate defining of their characteristic. So by great war and slaughter, and I should you know what also I would think? That it's not necessarily that... They can always come back, but I think it's the fact that Oryx had basically both of them in him that it was almost like he was able to define them and like almost split himself back into like thirds. Does that make sense? Like we can't just say because we killed Oryx, if we redefine Oryx, he'll just spring back up. I think it was kind of the fact that the individual that gained their killing had that power. And only by him using that power to the greatest extent was he able to bring them back. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I do see it that way. Um, yeah. Because it says, Oryx made war on the Ecumene for 100 years. At the end of the, those 100 years, he killed the Ecumene Council on the Fractal Wreath. And from their blood rose Zivu Arath, saying, I am war, and you have conjured me back with war. 
Yeah, yeah, because it's not like just every time there's a war, Zebo Wrath pops up, you know. So I think Oryx, <laughs> Oryx had the power at some way, and in some way, to bring his siblings back. Um, so whether you think that this can always happen and they're impossible to kill, I guess we don't know. We can't say either way. But I think this was a special case, and I don't think that it's going to be like some ploy where Bungie can always bring back old villains because they have the power to resurrect forever you know um so i i think a lot of it stemmed from the fact that oryx had their abilities that was yeah that's exactly what i'm thinking so oryx was the only one who could bring them back so does that mean we could bring back oryx although we didn't take the position so did we take his power is that just laying there is, is tolden gonna bring i'm just kidding now i'm just spin foiling uh <laughs> toland oh what a what a sad sack. I am not a fan of Toland. No, he's kind of like the bottom of the barrel. Like, what do they, you know, he's just like Regina Long, just trying to pick scraps. He tries I, to benefit from everyone else's work. Ah, poor, poor Toland. I used to think he was a smarter individual, but I think he's, he's going off the deep end. We'll get to him. Oh, yeah. He's totally been off the deep end. He was crazy before, but now he's just, he's gone. In a physical sense. Yeah, exactly. In many, <laughs> in many ways. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, they, he brings back his sisters, and basically they command all the hive to keep passing up the food chain, take a little bit, grow yourself, feed your worm, and pass it up. Ultimately, it goes up to the sisters. Um, it was cool that we learned two things through this. Number one... That knights and wizards have the opportunity to take extra if they want it, but he warns them basically: be careful. You know, you guys are like I imagine like you. It's like your war generals. They have some autonomy. They can do what they want. Be careful if anyone sees you taking too much, they're gonna want it and they're gonna come and kill you for it. So it's like a warning: like gain, get strong. You know, we believe in power and killing as our race, but. You go too far, and you're going to die. So I, I like that he gives them that. And then also that above them, it doesn't have like another, I don't even know what you, class. It just says the Ascendant. And that it refers to anyone who has gained enough tribute to enter the netherworld. So basically any hive entity that is able to have its own throne world or enter into that Ascendant space. And, well, and, and um, that can be anyone, really, if you get strong enough. Well, and, and so with the Taken King um, expansion, we found out that we killed previous Ascendant Hive, um, and we used their essence to actually become Ascendant ourselves. Yep, yep. Remember we strolled into uh, Crota's funeral and took some of his power? We killed him, we just didn't take the power until later on. <laughs> it's just kind of funny, right? Ooh, kind of I it wasn't that theory. wasn't that our power to take. We just didn't take it until we went back in. Like I have a spin foil theory for our our speculation episode now. Nice, nice. But that helps us to see that there are other ascendant. Crota was a perfect example. He's Oryx's son, actually. But when we killed him the first time, he didn't actually die. He came back. Well, they tried to summon him back. And we tried to put, we had to put an end to that. 
So an ascendant hive just refers to anyone who gets enough power to basically have a throne world. So the three sisters, well, the three siblings are not the only ones to have that. Um, other hive are able to. And you get that way by, as Oryx told the knights and wizards, take an extra portion for yourself as much as you dare. If you succeed, you could become an ascendant hive. Um, so there's always like incentive to grow. Um, but it's also a beautiful scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. Uh, I guess before this, they were just all trying to fend for themselves. Basically, it's that collective ex- effort allows them all to basically like survive as a species. So it sounds kind of like basic, like sharing, but I mean, it's it it worked. Yeah, it is weird because they are giving kind of, but at the same time, Oryx is instituting this as law, and he basically warns anyone that they'll killed if they don't so at the same time he's not really giving him anything he's demanding well and, and even them. then like the thralls aren't giving it it's just being it's taken from them. from them yeah yep yep so i mean that's kind of it for verse three so this is like kind of like their final progression um the siblings are all alive they've beat another another civilization and Oryx has made his final transition into Oryx, the Taken King, as we've known him. Um, and this is basically, we're going to continue on as we continue through these next couple of verses uh, and kind of just learn a little bit more about uh, their, their kind of like future. Like they've, they have, they've basically been established. This is the hive as we know them today. Yep. And we're going to see what, what they do. Um, yeah. Hey, the Ecumene no. were pretty close in their timeline originally. It took them a couple, like 200 years. Although then it took them like a thousand years. So they lasted a lot longer than they originally thought. Yeah, they did. I was kind of surprised. I was waiting for like 100 years, 50 years, and another 50. And it was like, nope, and a thousand years. Oh, we missed the best part. Mrs. Hyland's going to love this. Ready? Huh. They made war on the Ecumene for a thousand years. And exterminated him so wholly that nowhere except in this book are they remembered. Oh, well, this book and the mind of Teox, who was never found. Yeah. Good old Teox. We want to know where she is, too. And how the... How the heck she... Keeps getting away, man. Like, what? what is happening? I want to know that. Someone's helping her. But that's even if it really... I remember we said before, maybe she's actually dead. No, they actually found her in ice, So, and she told well, about it. So she was alive at some point, or something. Right, right. Pretending no, to like, be Teox was. No, like, I think that really was Teox with the Ecumene. But then, but like... Again, she could be dead, but if you don't see the body, it's not true. Right. Yeah. It's interesting, dude. Uh, Tax is a very interesting subject. Here we go. Fan theories. Write in Elemist. What you think is going on with Tax, or where do you think Tax is, or just any anything you ha- you can think of that relates to Tax and her story. Send him some emails, and we'll read some of that in our um, Spinfoil show because I think she's an interesting character. You know, in fact. Write us your spinfoil theories on the books of sorrow, and maybe we'll have a half our spinfoil, half um, 
listener like Q and A kind of thing. Sounds that good. Sound? I think that would be good because I think listening to us spin foil for like hours, maybe you'll enjoy it. But I think it would be more interesting to get a lot of other people's opinion on it. So please send us some emails, guys. We would love to read some of that stuff on here and questions because they could be a it could be a question and answer or we could just read your spin foil theories and then probably debate it for a while. Like at this point, that episode's very free form. Very free form. <laughs> All right. Well, I ought. I'm done. <laughs> I ought. So, uh, shout outs then, huh? Yep. Why don't you start us off with shout outs, Elmas? First off, Ishtar Collective, as always, because they make my job a lot easier. Um, second shout out to that pretty girl I was messaging. Hey, I've got the platform. Don't give me those looks, Hyven. Um, you just keep doing it, man. <laughs> but yeah, um, that that's pretty much it. <laughs> Ishtar Collective and, and the pretty girl. Well, my shout-out is to my pretty wife, so that when she listens to this, she will appreciate that I was just waiting for the proper time to tell her. I know we act like a, we're crazy and we hate each other, but we just like to have fun, and we, we just are like an old married couple. We actually do like each other, guys. Don't worry. Our marriage is not on the rocks. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of a pun out of that. All I could think of is like a cold drink. I don't... Rocks think anybody actually was worried no i don't think so they probably just think we have like a horrible time always fighting and yelling at each other no it's just more fun that way sometimes <laughs> yeah and then other shout outs um man i didn't prepare any shout outs i mean i never do but nothing came to me this time shout outs to our listeners hopefully for Continuing to stick with us, we get these uh, Elemis Sins, our podcast numbers often. Anytime we hit like little goals, so it's amazing that people are still listening. So shout outs to all you guys, and, and hopefully you guys will send us some emails to make a pretty cool episode when we finish this book off. And then a uh, shout out for Bungie for making the Solstice armor, armor 2.0, because I was going to be really tired if you... I wasn't going to grind for it if you made it a waste. So thanks, guys. And I think that's it for me for now. Oh, and you know what? Shout out to... Just shout out to everybody who worked on those those Grimoire anthologies. I just love the lore curation and advisor, Matt Jones. Right. That's still so cool. Graphic design, legal... Well, rather right. than actually going down the list... Let's yep. just say everyone who worked Read on the it. book. Thank you, everyone at Bunchy who worked on this book and who makes the Grimmar amazing. I look forward to book two to see Same. what is in store. And I know it's a different theme. This one is themed Dark Mirror, and I forget off the top of my head what volume two is themed after. But I think it has something Fallen to do with Kingdom. light. Fallen Kingdom. Maybe that's what it is. I was speculating some. All right. I look it's forward got to some it. Of the Iron Lord stuff in there. Yeah, it would have been too soon for them to straight go to light. The opposite would have been it's too much. I like it. I look forward to it. All right. Well, with yeah. that, 
Good night, everyone. Have a good night. Bump, bump, bump. Goodbye. Goodbye. Maybe they read the first two and were like, what? There's an audio version of this? You should and still they go back and like, listen. We speculate. Oh, God, this is horrible. Their reading skills are... I'm going to go back and read in my head. And then that could happen, you know? Well, to those people, I say, screw you. And episode 30 was all this one Hyven guy just talking. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't <laughs> shut up. It was like he had no co-hosts. <laughs> Don't know what that was about. Again, sorry. All Again, right. pretty girl. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you got a platform, use it. I even never calls me pretty on here. <laughs> Still nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out, I don't need Ivan to call me pretty. I am pretty. Felt real cute today with my red lipstick. Okay. Now one I'll my, start off. One of my coworkers told me that my wife was pretty when she came into work the other day. So get that a lot when she comes in. Some it's usually some nice older man, but <laughs> just makes me <laughs> laugh. Uh, you make them happy. Jeez. Oh my! Not you though, apparently. <laughs> oh, I like seeing you too, but I'm. That, I would hope that was a given. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I also thought you thought I was pretty, but apparently you couldn't say it. So. Not in front of all Especially the since you have the platform. Right? Jeez. <laughs> this is the difference between, like, new affection and married for two and a half years. No, this is an audio recording. I don't comment on looks because it's a visual effect. Okay? Oh, Your voice is want... magisterial. No, it's not. My voice is ugly. Yes, you're very pretty. But now that the condescension is over, let's move on. <laughs> condensation or the condensation the cup sweat cup sweat all right <laughs> we're gonna read xx which is 20 in roman numeral it's code it's really weird to be honest i actually know what those are what roman numeral no just the fact that it's not actually in the book it's how the romans counted <laughs> all right let's do this thing Fun fact, you guys, when you're using sign language, you kind of start moving into like a a Roman numeral counting hybrid as you get up into larger numbers. Fun fact. First three, hive, 3.0, 30, hive. Let us speak of the terrible beauty of becoming ourselves. Okay, can we, let's stop. (laughs) Can you actually read the card normal at least? Okay, but can we talk about the fact that that line felt like it should have been redded like that? Redded. Oh my god. Redded. Red? I mean, come on! Read that line! The terrible beauty of becoming ourselves? I completely agree with her. I was gonna try and get serious.
and then you you saw that line, and you're like, can't, can't <sighs> really? do it. I started it serious, and then it was that line. You started it serious? Are you kidding? You just said three zero like five different ways. Oh, in, like, I mean, six not different that. Voices. I started the line serious. Yeah. Anyway, let us speak zero. One more way. I don't know how to say hive in Spanish. Okay. We could just pretend none of this happened. I'm ready to move on. Well, we can't. Oh no! It's It'll be all going into the bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> I said pretend. Okay, I can pretend this didn't happen. No, you can't. It's gonna be like first in the bloopers because it's like first of the mistakes. I think the bloopers are in order. What we do on this thing, I don't know. I've never paid attention to that. Anyways, you guys. Let's they are. Sorry. Aya. 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 I mean, he put it in the words you should know. We didn't go over it. My stupid host just flung right past it. That's because it once again is this episode. It is only in there for us. Why yada? Why yada? Aya. Aya yada yada. You're embarrassing me. I think I like it better when you're not focused. <laughs> Told you you can't handle my undivided attention. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna eat soon. I'll be gone in a minute. From my life? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna walk out the door. <laughs> oh, you're too much. You're fun. I've got a couch for you. <laughs> he lives closer to Lush. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of, I, I need to go and the new, soon. And the new Casper store. Sounds like we're making a trip to Tyson. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> All right. Aya. Aya. We were thus becoming. I'm sorry. I That was silly, too. I lost look, my tone. Look. <laughs> you're going to have to get this together because Elemis doesn't always edit everything. And this would be horribly distracting for the person who was trying to pay attention to the first half of this card. <laughs> If they did skip those first two cards and jumped into this, sorry. I just, I lost my tone. And just, the aya gets me. Okay. <sighs> composure, composure. Find your zen. Find my center. The first time I ever heard that, it was my cousin. He was sitting on a stump. He said he needed to find his center. Oh my goodness. You're going to get your question shirt, answered if you just... Pointed at his reading. belly button and said, there it is. <laughs> And Goldfish, if you're listening to this, yeah, that was you. From the survivors of our acolytes who contended. Sorry. If they contended well. You messed up. Where did I mess up? You're okay. Your pausing was a little weird. But from the survivors, our acolytes. It's a progression up of individuals. I don't know what in the world you said, but you said something of, of our acolytes. Whatever, I'll read it again, okay. Sorry, just real quick, just for your knowledge. Wizards, Thrall, and Acolytes are all different. Um, hive. Sub-hive. Sub so those are names of the races. So does that make more sense? So you're saying a mother wizard, um, Spawn, Thrall, again, and Survival. Again, the Aya threw me off so much I couldn't even focus on this. I got it, I got it. I'm going to start the whole paragraph over again. We're going to scrap it, cut that, editing, cut that, cut, 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 cut. Okay. Moving on. This episode's going to be half bloopers. Jesus Lord. From the survivors of our acolytes who contend. 
You did it again. If they contend well, there's no what? of there. From the survivors are acolytes. Sorry, right. you got this. You're doing fine. We were listening to the other episode, and you said I got this on something. I said, "Why does Elemis support me more than you?" Because <laughs> I know that you're not actually trying. I am. I'm giving my attention and everything. Gosh darn it. Okay. <clears throat> cut. 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 You got this. I thought your face looked really weird. All right, I think we're going to end the podcast here, guys. It is way <laughs> past her bedtime. This is the last time I ever take her out to have a nice, relaxing evening before a podcast. Good night. Bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. <laughs> and we will never be back. Fine. Elmas and I can do this without you. Guys, why can't I stop rocking back and forth? Are you kidding? You belong in a mental institution. <laughs> this is gold. Uh, I, I, it's not podcast gold, though. It is just humorous gold. <laughs> it's bloopers you, gold. I should refresh. I should sorry, re, restate. Refresh. If you listen to our click the refresh button. If what, you what? listen to the episode for comedic relief and humor, this might be good for for what I would imagine a lot of people who are actually interested in the lore. Not as much, but who knows? Never. I don't know what you like to listen for. Maybe it's just like really. Laughter with their education. Oh, I like a little laughter with my education, but I like it to at least be mostly on topic. Well, we are. This will get put in at the end. It's optional for them. Uh, yeah. I don't know. This is majority of our content at this point. Out of the 35 minutes we've been recording. Stop it. Minutes. Now it will be. All right. Fine. Whose fault is that? Well, let's move on then. <laughs> She's going to fall asleep in two cards anyway. All right. I'll cover the next card. Yeah, you will. Because that's what I wrote down. <laughs> Welcome uh, to Destiny. No, no, no. Yep, yeah. Oh, it'll be alright. You can do it. I believe in you. Not me, it's the dogs. I believe in the dogs. I don't. They're being real. Konakai? No. Welcome to my life when I can't get you to shut up. <laughs> oh, That's you set cold. yourself up there. Man. That's cold. Oh, Elmas is on my side. And, um, oh, sorry, man, you really, sorry. She made me lose my thought. Let's start over. Watching you eat is is painful. I see you throwing it all over the place. I accidentally threw one piece of chicken. Okay. Oh, you're too much for me. All right, sorry. He got thrown off by one piece of chicken. It was a large piece of chicken and a bunch of rice. <laughs> and I know it's on my and I know okay. it's on my surface, which is you know. It's anyway. not. It's on my blanket. And the dogs will eat it. Jeez. See, she's just I'm just more of a clean person than she is. I don't mean like she's dirty. I just mean she's a messier kind of individual. Anyway. Back. Apparently Hyven says you're dirty. <laughs> <laughs> we're not a. Uh, we're not gonna go into this. That's a. Uh... It's not this kind of podcast. That's uh, Guardians Lore After Dark. You gotta subscribe to that <laughs> with finances. But don't worry, it'll show up in it'll show up at your door in a brown paper bag. <laughs> this chicken's really taking us off the rails. Right? Oh man. You did this hyphen. I'm pausing. No, it's you. You're sitting there eating like 
it's oh, I can't watch you eat. I was it's trying to much. break up a piece of the chicken. A couple pieces got stuck together. You were like together. stuffing your mouth before you even finished chewing. It's just too much to watch. I'm sorry. So I'm trying to eat quickly. I'm trying to give you my undivided attention. I don't you want can't it anymore. Have everything. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. All right. I'm <laughs> gonna take a pause and then restart. Be careful that. what you asked for. I want her actual gonna, attention, not her mm-hmm. full. We're gonna edit this. Bloopers, bloopers, edit, Elemis. You keep, Elemis, you say weird, but basically you just give Elemis a lot more work every time you do this. I'm just saying, when he's listening to this quickly, and maybe zoning out at this point because it's pretty far in. Look, last week, he got, he missed a couple things, so there was some, definitely some long pauses. Yeah, what if he's talking to a pretty girl while he's editing and then misses things then too? That's what I'm saying, so you should not give him as much stuff to edit, please. Transition, brother. I killed my sister today. Sorry, I just... You really feel that one? Just so nonchalant. Just see you, Mary. Peace. I want to dwell on the ruins a while and punish Sabathun for... We are bound by our covenant to obey our nature. Eternal search. Eternal hunt. Eternal what now? Eternal hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Eternal honeys. What? Oh my. 